Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Grieb. I am the Customer Advisory Lead S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. We are now in the second part of our Masterclass in Sales two-part episode featuring Eric Shaver. The first part has already gotten tremendous feedback. I know you are keen on the second part, so let's just jump into the paradigms of sales execution excellence. Without further ado, here at the SAP Experts Podcast. Eric, back again for part two. Everybody is refreshed. I, I just had some kimchi. So I have, I'm, I'm powered by probiotics. What's, what's a kimchi? It's Korean fermented spinach. <laughs> I mean, uh, cabbage. It sounds like it's forbidden in at least 23 states. It, it sounds that way, but it's now all the rage. Yeah? Your, gut really? health, your gut health defines you. That's what I'm, I'm learning from the internet. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I was really in prime form for this next piece. So I, two things. First thing is, I guess we will have that too in about half a year. And the second thing is that probably it helps, it helps you getting your vaccines fast in COVID. Anything, anything that helps in that regard, I'm, I'm, I'm a willing participant. What we are going to do for part two now is um, you told me about your golden rules that you have. And we're not telling about how many they are. We will just yeah. right into that since we talked in the first part about let's say the baseline things you should not do and and so on and um probably we also built up um shout out to bird some 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 pink elephants here um now we want to talk about really the golden rules what you should do how you can be better at your job how you can be a better salesperson and um When, when we talk about these rules, are there rules which you would say they are more important than others, or do you treat them all equal in a certain uh, way? If, if, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think these are all of the fundamental operating rules of sales. And I think they should be treated, mostly being treated equally or just being mm -hmm. seen as these are the baseline things that we should be executing either in, in mind or against every single day. Um, because they're just hygienic practice, right? Mm -hmm. That, that, you know, the, 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 the objective of any given salesperson is to never be viewed as typical. Yeah. Right. Because a typical salesperson is never looked at as a positive or is put up on a pedestal, right? Because typical implies all the things that you, you'd assume, right? You're you sound like everybody else, which I already associate with low value. So typical, these are the practices that, that, yeah, I see these associating with executing at an expert level and therefore all of them have 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 associated value in that regard and now these by the way are not like cereal ingredients where the biggest ingredient is first these are these are these are arbitrary in the sense that the value is equal so the first one as i as i as i contemplated these is the first one is as a quota carrier as a salesperson your objectivity will always be doubted or called into question as it should be because of your incentive compensation and because of your company's P&L requirements, right? So in other words, this is just a statement of fact. As soon as someone knows you're a quota carrier, they know certain things right away. They know that your compensation is based upon selling them something. So your biases are going to immediately become personal towards your compensation. To, 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 to say your objective is a misstatement of fact, right? The fact is, I mean, we even call it 
to put a more emotional spin on it that I only get my, you know, my, my, the very thing that sustains me is that risk unless I sell you something. Um, and so, so we have to acknowledge it. We can't pretend it's not there. The other thing is if our company is publicly traded or our company is owned by private equity or our company is privately held, you know, it's, 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 we, we, we didn't take anybody else's money. You are driven by your profit and loss requirements. You are driven by the share. If you're a publicly traded company, your obligation is to your shareholders. You can say your customers all day long, but your fiduciary obligation by law is to your shareholders. And they know that and we know that and and, and we, 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 we shouldn't pretend it's not there. We should put it out there right up front. And, and when I say address this first, when we engage anybody, we should make clear our understanding of their charter or their objectives, and they should be equally as clear as to our charter and our objectives. We should put our biases out there right away. Now, the hardest thing to do this with is at the executive level, but I would use this at any level. One of the first conversations we have to have is, look, we know your obligation here, your, 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 your fiscal fiduciary obligation is to, to, to basically procure the assets, whether they're ours or not, that produce the greatest returns for your shareholders. That is your, that is your obligation as a company. Our, our, our charter, our, our biases are towards our obligations. Our obligations are to produce the most profitable revenue for our shareholders. Let's not say customer first when we know shareholder primacy is first. We have to put it into context and say, look, for this, for this engagement to work, the first thing we both have to acknowledge is that these are the charters that we're serving. Now, our objective is to get you to a place where you can make an informed decision as to whether or not these assets are, are should be funded now relative to the alternative assets that you have to consider as a business. Our business case will show the organic value of these things as validated by your peers. These are only models. That's all that they can be. But we can't do that process. And we have to respect each other's SGNA costs because we're going to invest significantly in this if we decide to do so. That is the first thing that has to be put out there. And we have to say, look, if this engagement is going to work, we have to both agree to engage based on these criteria. Most salespeople would never say that. But that is the statement of the truth. We're going to make it clear that if we do not, if you believe you should engage us, but we don't see the value for us to engage you, we're going to tell you. And then we're going to have to get into a conversation around why you believe we should, because frankly, you're keeping access from us for people we have to meet with. We have to engage the business. We have to engage your executive team. This is a strategic decision. If you're, if you're containing us to one functional area, we're, we don't even know if we're serving our shareholders properly because we do not have the transparency we need. That is how a management consultant would speak to a company. They'd say, look, I have bad news and good news. The bad news is um, that we may not agree to engage even if, you, even if you want that. The good news is, is that we both have the opportunity to decide whether this makes sense for both of our businesses. You want to qualify someone properly, don't ask them predictably uh, uh, poor 
sales qualification questions that have way too much bias in them. Ask them to commit to rational and reasonable business criteria. It's called business to business. There's a reason for that. Um, so that's 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 a higher order skill. And most salespeople would say, I would never say that because I'll scare them away. Well, you scared them away for two reasons if that's what happened. You didn't make a strong enough value case that would support that conversation, mm -hmm. which you have to do first, or they were never serious and you did yourself a favor, right? But but there's a, there's a great quote that I, of course, didn't make up. Yeah, most, most of the quotes are stolen. Real deals are not fragile. And real in, and, and before you have a deal, there's intention. Real intentions are not fragile. They should be able to stand up to some resistance or some, some pushback. Or if this works for you, it doesn't work for us. That's a bad relationship to jump into. Two things jump immediately out of my mind, in my mind now um, about your, your sentence. Um, the the true deals the good deals they are not fragile this is so true because you realize that especially after that when you for example you sell an application which has to be implemented those deals who were the fragile one yeah they had there were no fun doing the implementation period yeah yeah but those deals who were clear who were where everything was set and so on those were the one where the implementation went on a completely different way and in the end you had something there which brought the horsepower of the application yeah. to the street and so on so this this is something which really sets the sets the tone and sets the stage for for everything which comes after that and concerning the um your incentive com compensation and so on and the requirements address this first This is this is a huge simplification if you do that because you're okay. Somebody could say like, uh, "Don't you say something which clever people and, and people who are in that business and know, who know what's going on, what they know anyway." And sometimes yes, and sometimes no. You really should state that because it's simplifying a lot of things. The intentions are clear, and you are now talking seriously from the beginning. The whole mumbo jumbo that you normally yeah. do you can completely wipe it out. The whole foam is, is away. You, you're talking the real stuff. It sets the tone for the entire engagement. Yeah. And, and for some reason, I wasn't taught this. I, I observed it with people who didn't have quotas, who were running a business, who had very, very uh, strong P&L incentives, right? Mm -hmm. Who said, we're not going to waste our time on something unless it's serious. And we're going to, you know, what I love learning from executives, very direct, unemotional often and willing to walk away yeah. if, if certain criteria weren't met. And the problem to the NCR, there's this legacy, you know, motion is that we weren't taught these very pragmatic business skills, right? Venture, I, you know, I sat, I've sat through over 30, I lost count, venture capital meetings over five startups. And there was very little emotion in the room until they, you saw them get excited. But even then, they were always pragmatic on, will this meet our limited partner requirements? Is this worth a $5 million initial investment? Is this worth a syndication? Do I see a B and a C round? Like That was always governing their behavior. Mm -hmm. And you know, even though they would smile and nod, it was a lot like the mob, right? You, you always got a smile and a nod right up until the point where you got you know, dispatched. You know, You always knew, this is business. Yeah. This is business. 
Um, yeah, and it's it's so much cleaner. You know, it's there's a great line um, from Woody Allen's movie uh, Annie Hall. I know I shouldn't say, shouldn't say Woody Allen right now. I know he's fallen from grace, um, but in Annie Hall, there's a great scene where they're going on a date and. He just looks at her and says, look, can we just kiss now and not worry about all the tension and worrying about later that we just kiss now, we get it over with, the pressure's off, and then we can function on our date. And she's like, okay. And then they, they do it and they move on, right? It's kind of the same thing. It's like, let's take the pressure off, deal with the most obvious thing up front. Now, mm -hmm. I realize that's not real life, but, <laughs> but, but it's a similar concept. It's like, put yeah. it out there. It's mm -hmm. the truth. And yeah. if they can't handle it, you're dealing with the wrong person. You didn't have a strong enough value prop that was your fault, or it's not real, yeah. and we can move on with our lives. Yeah. But but yeah. I think so, this 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 really is needed from both sides. But then, of course, any salesperson could could counter your argument like, uh, "But my bosses think completely different. For them, every opie is relevant. I could never yeah. walk away from them." The great, the great excuse, right? Yeah, the great exactly. reason for not having to change. I, I say that's complete rubbish. Yeah. The so the interesting thing about sales managers, I was one, is that their job is singular. Their job is to ensure that the team they manages, uh, the, they manage hits the number that they've been given, by any means necessary. Oh, I use that with love and jokingly, mm -hmm. but. The manager, you know, I found as a manager, I didn't care if someone had a 4X pipeline, if they were tracking to 130% of their target. It became less of an issue, right? Um, then it was, how do I optimize, right, without interfering? Um, you know, my manager won't let me kill that opportunity because I've got a pipeline requirement and therefore I've got to put it in there. Yeah, I'd argue you're not managing your manager properly. If your manager is confident that you're going to hit your number and they see evidence, they'll back mm -hmm. off. But if you cave, if you you know acquiesce to that, then that's telling them mm -hmm. you need to be managed, right? You got to manage your manager. Managers don't want to do a lot of that oversight and management judgment and all that. They feel they have to if they don't have the confidence that you can do this without me. My best reps, I left them alone. I said, what do you need? What do you need? And as long as you were delivering, right, and you were honest with me and you were transparent and your forecasts were good, I'm just getting in your way, right? So, you know, and, and that's, 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 and they, they, they thrived. I said, I love that you leave me alone. I said, keep doing what you're doing and I'll continue to do that, right? But that's that whole notion. If my manager's telling me what to do, I think there's mm -hmm. a bigger question about competency and their perception of your competency or maybe their competency. We shouldn't just yeah. put it on you, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you know, there's that. No, I absolutely agree with that. Um, so, so the the um, the daily pipeline calls, as they may exist or may not exist, it's like death and taxes. They're always going to be there. <laughs> right? so yeah. Manage them. <laughs> show, yeah. show your manager that you know how to manage them, right? Help them sleep at night by showing you're in control. Um, it's hard. There's no doubt that it's hard. But I, I never, never like hearing the excuse, well, I could do this, but have you told my manager this? Or does my manager agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, the big joke in sales, and I know it's not visual, but I, I'm old school sales. I like a nice Swiss, you know, 
mechanical movement watch. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the watch, the whole Glenn Gary, the watch is more than your car. You know, we love in sales to be able to go to club, go to Vegas, go to Macau, wherever we go for club, and then get that, you know, Hawaii and go right to the Rolex shop and get our first Rolex from the mm -hmm. big commission. And that watch isn't to tell you what time it is. That's what an iPhone is for. This yeah. is to tell the world what time it is. This is what I'm all about. The Rolex, Rolex right? Yachtmaster. Mm -hmm. It's telling everybody I'm successful and I get paid a lot for what I do. If I hit it's, it's a trophy. Quota. It's a trophy. The complete trophy. Yeah. And it's 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 part of the the validation we seek. Well, you may not like me or what I do, but I make more money than you. So sorry. But we can't get paid all this money when we're successful and then complain as if we have nothing when we're not. Right. That's the mm -hmm. game. If you get into this world, you know, in working with big companies, one thing I've learned is that there's many more resources than sales utilizes. It's just is sales utilizing those resources properly. Are you do you do as much selling internally as you do externally? You're dealing with the same problem. You've got very busy people who have KPIs and are fully, fully committed. Are you selling them on why they should commit their time to you, even though they're technically part of your team, because they're a scarce and divided resource? That falls on us. And we, we you know, have to own that. And I'd say we've gotten a little bit pampered. And, and um, unfortunately, what's happening around us is the value of sales is diminishing every, every year in terms of our control path, our power, and our authority. Because technologies in the eyes of economic decision makers are getting more, much more so than 10, 20, 30 years ago, are getting commoditized. And it's not too far from the truth. Um, you yeah, know, absolutely. Look, at, look at all the technologies that are out there and you got to learn how to do something differently. And, 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 and that's what's, what's, I think, the big threat that we face is not having these direct conversations, not being so candid not showing we've got some business chops to go along with our quota chops. And so, you know, that's what we're, we're struggling with. Should we go to number two? I apologize. I over-indexed on that one, I think. No, no problem. No problem. I, I, I give you the guides because they're your points. Just come with the next one. Um, so this is another one I like to, to, to say, like the old, the old granddad telling his war stories, but Every customer becomes a prospect again when you're selling them something new. Sounds so familiar, but so new. So, so I, 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 it drives me crazy when I hear salespeople say, customer, I'm selling to my customer. They're mm -hmm. a customer. They're, you know, I'm dealing with my customer. Um, my then question is, well, are you working a new deal? Because you shouldn't be talking to your customers about something you already sold them if you're net new or you're trying to drive pipeline. You're not in a customer service role. So you're talking to your customer, but you're trying to sell them something new. Yes. Well, just because they're a customer doesn't mean they're going to buy it, right? Are customers more likely to mm -hmm. buy from a vendor they work with? Of course, right? The business schools teach it's 10 times easier to sell to a customer than someone new. But At the end of the day, if you initiated the conversation, if you, first of all, if a customer reaches out to you to buy a new asset, new product that they didn't own, they're probably talking to your competition, even though they're a customer, right? So they're not married to you. If I've never bought a procurement asset and I've only used your ERP asset, well, I'm probably talking to Coupa, you know, I'm probably talking to other ones 
because I'm back in a game where maybe even though I love you and we do business with you, you may not be best of breed, or maybe, maybe you're not the best decision for us. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 we have to treat every Euro, every dollar, every yuan, every, you know, peso as, as if I was dealing with a prospect again, because what we do is we get this level of comfort that, well, they're a customer. So they're most likely to buy from us. Well, how many times have we been disappointed and said, what happened there? Or, you know, we've been doing business for years. Um, the cold calculus of business is that everything now in the, in, the, in the days of smart money, money became smart after the global financial crisis. It remained smart. It didn't get mm-hmm. dumb again in the, in, the, in the intervening 10, 11 years. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Now it's twice as smart because of economic scarcity. And, and disruption, every every dollar, euro, pound, whatever it is that we're seeking is going to be scrutinized on financial terms, unless we get lucky. Mm-hmm. And we should treat every time we do this as if my business case isn't the better business case, regardless of our relationship, this deals at risk because the people making the decisions mm-hmm. aren't the IT department that loves you as they used to. Or even if they do, CFOs are the hunter killers of, of bad money being spent. And, and, and it really is something where I, I think that we just have to, as a practice, we've got to say they're a prospect when we're even referring to customers to remind ourselves, nothing is guaranteed, nothing's given. But this is all about, let's say, do not let have something catch you like a comfort zone because it rem- remembers me to a conversation i had with with an, an let's say old guy salesperson who's done this job like 50 years ago and he said like when when he was once in one of these sales meetings at las vegas and so on it was somewhere in the 70s around this he was by his mentor put in the bar after they had like let's say gallons of booze and he says like look what you have to understand is look at those people of of course it's hugely offensive to a lot of aes and sales guys but look at yeah. look at those and he he pointed to the, a group of people who were a little bit overweight okay mm. those are the key account managers and then he pointed to to other people who look completely different yeah they were athletic and so on they were, were look quite different they're responsible for our net new name business <laughs> yeah, but, the, but, meta- but, the metaphor stands yeah but but the image is clear yeah maybe you're not as in danger of getting into that if you are if you if you have the net new name business as your let's say territory sales pack whatever you may call it but if you are if you're working with one customer if you are the key account manager for one major customer hell be aware um <laughs> but it may it may they may offend but they'll know what you're talking about yeah yeah so but the one metaphor i'd like to give there is so i i've i've gotten into be a bit of a mountain biking addiction right i i have a place in the mountains and i absolutely love it and one of the cardinal rules in mountain biking is no matter how many times you've been down the trail no matter how well your skills have developed never never do anything technical when you're tired and never take let down your guard, right? No matter how comfortable you are with something. And the times I've fallen are the times I was like, I've got this, I've been on this trail 20, 30 times. 
and my pedal hit a stump that I knew was there, but I just took it for granted. Mm. And then, you know, and it's the same type of thing is it doesn't matter how many times they've gone to the well, mm-hmm. how many deals you've done together. We should treat everything as if the financial merits aren't there, whether you like me or not, whether you, you index towards us or not, these things should always be winning on their financial merits. And then may the best business case, may the best application to the, the business win. And 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 that's that's something where, to your point, net new people understand that because they never get a chance to be comfortable. They're always hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. That's a, and this isn't one of the bigger ones, but it's a critical operating motion, right? That I think that we have to stay fit, and that's part of the way to stay fit. Um. So, Alex, the next one, and it's funny as I'm going through these, I'm realizing I'm kind of bleeding into the next one. But uh, another one that's critical is we we've touched upon this. A, the charter of a salesperson is to secure the most profitable revenue possible. And that's got to be openly stated and it's got to be transparently represented both at the beginning and throughout the relationship. Sometimes we have to yeah. remind them, right, that the profitability of this is starting to suffer. We're, 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 we're over committing on things. They're under committing on others. And this is starting to look and feel like something that isn't in the best interest of our shareholders. We, we're not usually willing to make our fiduciary obligations a clear requirement Mm -hmm. and remind them of it. And I know I touched on that earlier, but we really have to make it clear that at any point, it's not just the beginning. A lot of problems with engagements is they're based on some initial qualification Mm -hmm. that then we believe governs everything all the way through. Things change. Initial plans get modified. Um, Intentions don't always come to to fruition. Mm -hmm. And we have to remind the prospects and customers especially if you're an industry leader with expensive, talented people, which you are, that these resources are not, let's not confuse the fact that you're part of our SGNA costs for our go-to-market strategy, that these are free. These are not free. The, 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 the gauge we're always going to measure this against, this project against, is the equal and opposite commitment of SGNA dollars from your side. And if at any point this collapses on itself and gets single threaded, or we're following through and you're not, we need to address that, or we're going to redirect resources to another project, and you would do the same. And we need to have that transparency. You know, there's a very, very flawed model in in qualifying. Qualifying isn't what a salesperson asks. There's way too many false positives and people expect qualifying questions and they know how to, they know how to answer them. So the salesperson hears what they want to hear, gets their confirmation bias. They just need a very thin, like, okay, this is real. So I can put it in my pipeline. So there's a lot of confirmation bias and we hear what we want to hear. The only way to qualify ever is, are you staffing this project or aren't you? Are you, are you meeting your task obligations on the critical path we've defined, which is getting into a different set of skills? And are we equally committing on this? Do we have a racy, right, that we both agree to, right? You should never, you know, this is another thing. Salespeople, we should have never even been given our territories unless we were told what a racy was, why you need it, why it should govern your deal, 
and why your buyer, if they're serious, will insist upon it. Right. And RACI is standard project management, right? If you're if you're if you're a project manager, it's 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 the fundamentals. If you're not a project manager, it's what does that even mean? But yeah. you know, responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed. Yeah. It's project management 101. And if you say to somebody, look, we cannot staff this, even just saying to a prospect or a customer, we have staffing requirements to engage with you. If you want a demo, it's not a demo. It's initiating a project or not. For us to actually do that, we're going to have to redirect resources that are working up to 17 other projects right now. We can't even staff that unless we agree on A, should we take on this? You wanting a demo is not enough of a reason for us to engage. We need context, mm -hmm. right? We need context for these are expensive resources and they're industry leading resources. Maybe you've seen our pedigree. In order to do this, we are going to need um, uh, a project plan. We're going to need to justify it. We have to justify the funding of just supporting this decision, right? Mm -hmm. that, you know, there, that's, that's 100,000 euros right there, right? For a nine, would index us to a nine-month project. Um, but if we don't do that up front, or they're not willing to do it, or not even willing to entertain it, they are not serious, now, they could be that person, but the company's serious. It could be the company's not serious, but that's qualifying. If your manager says, why didn't you do the demo? Why'd you walk away? They weren't even willing to collaborate on a racy, so they're not serious. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call it the C-level, take one more shot at the business. If that doesn't land, we're going to move on. So is, is this a fix principle or is this something which is variable? Because, of course, when you say, like, I, 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 I'm not... I'm not submissive in, a, in any mm. way. Yeah, this has to be an eye-level relationship. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm setting the stage in a, in a similar way. Of course, you can put up, let's say, hurdles which are so high. You remember when you are buying a used car and so on. You just, just want to have that drive just to see if that car is speaking to you and so on. And they say like, so yeah, but then you have to do something like a first payoff and so on. Then you say, okay, we're not doing business because I, I need the signal from your side. Yeah? So there were obviously two parties which do not, did not understand. Do you think like this is something which is of course as a, um, as a principle, absolutely correct, but it can interpret it by yes. one of both sides in the wrong way? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So This is not for the unskilled or the meek or the, the dilettantes, right? Yeah. This requires, in the wrong hands, this can be off-putting. Mm -hmm. It could be, it could precipitate a call to your manager saying, why are you people, why are you so hard to do business with, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and we're all accused of that at one point in time. But the, no, this, this does require expertise. And so that's why it's more of an operating principle is... You should never operationalize it unless you have at least a baseline level of competency. The problem is you have to start somewhere. And when you start somewhere, you're not going to be competent by definition. But that then gets into preparation, right? I mean, they that old game, you know, you, you, you know, how you practice is how you perform. You know, yeah. what you do in practice is what you do in the game. There needs to be that level of of that's why I think there should there should have been before we ever were able to touch any of our customers or accounts. We should have been certified as project managers. Certification is a predictable thing to say at the very least, you have working competency and a working narrative, right? Because you've got to present this, you have to convince, you've got to close. Um, and in the wrong hands or done ham-handedly, it will be more of a negative than a positive. 
And it does, it's a matter of degree, right? The If someone's presenting initially with significant commitments, they're 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 walking, not just talking, and they're 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 opening things up and all that. I'm getting evidence, right, that this is this is this is this is typically more serious behavior. So I'll still bring it in. Um, but if I believe I'm being used, I'm gonna go heavy on the racy and I'm gonna go heavy on look, you know, we have staffing requirements. But it's it's an interesting psychology as well. And and, and I, you know, it's scary. You don't want persuasion to persuasion and manipulation are almost on you know the opposite edge of the same knife but it's it's look i i'm gonna put some pressure on you i'm gonna tell you what you want we can't give you unless you meet certain criteria because i'm suspicious of your intent or you're trying to contain me i'm going to use stress testing to determine intent mm-hmm. because people tend to give you the real their real intentions when you put a little pressure on them it could be very professional and it should be very legitimate. But for me to say, I'm not saying no, I'm saying I can't do this unless these criteria are met. So that's not no, that's these are the requirements to do this. But there's something psychological when you say the people you're asking for are fully committed. For me to be able to get them, we're gonna have to plan this into their schedule. As soon as you tell someone you can't get what you want when you want it, it's that almost that takeaway or that we love the things we can't have, right? We, we, there's something that drives us when we're like, if I can't have it, I want it more, right? Every other vendor is saying, no problem, sure, let's do this. And you're saying, maybe, right? But, but this is so, so much against so many instincts of so many people in a certain way. Because yes. remember, you are the... AE guy who's having a lot of pressure and so on, who has promised his wife, I will bring us to Hawaii this year and so on. And he has this customer who is, uh, let's say he was tough, yeah, who is tough and so on, who wants to, to get a signal, let's call it the signal. Yeah, like we both want it and so on. And of course, what, what does then the A do in so many cases? Okay, we can sponsor something and so yeah. on. And, and then there are oh. so, so many hope, so many words and, and nouns and bullshitty, sorry, to use that word that's <laughs> your podcast <laughs> um this is a family friendly show um <laughs> we said that in my family exactly well, one one of the worst words i've heard in that was like ah we are now in co-creation mode yeah which was more or less nothing else than than just saying like okay now i will put a lot of money that you give on the table that you give me your money and so in the end i have my quota and in the end we are all happy but the respect is lost completely. Yes. And was it worth it, right? Yeah. Um, so, no, it's a great point. Um, like anything that's executed at a high level, there's sacrifice. You know, the, you sacrifice the easy money yeah. um, or what seems like the easy money. But to me, it always goes back to math. Or sorry, for my friends in the UK, maths. It always goes back to that. And that is... If you look at probabilities, if you look at statistics, if you look at the likelihood of the promises that we're getting actually converting to our charter, which is securing revenue this fiscal year, it invariably is in the, in the column of not happening versus happening, or the likelihood of things actually executing the way they've been stated is you know 27%. If you look and say the average, I don't know what the numbers are, but you know if you look at some of the serious decision data, 
if on average 38% of a typical sales force for big tech companies hits their quota, then that tells you something. That tells you we're probably doing more wrong than we're doing right. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the problem also is that Pareto economics have funded or subsidized what most people would look at as failure. If the 80-20 rule is happening, and it usually is, and the majority of our revenues coming from, from 20% of our customer base, then do we really care? if X percent of our salespeople don't hit their number because we're achieving our charter, it's really up to them as professionals to figure out how to, how to, how to achieve their quota. That's why we hired them. You know, that's, and I'm not saying that's the attitude here. It's, it's, it's just generally speaking, right? The company's primary obligation, and this validates that earlier point, their fiduciary obligation is to their shareholders. If we're achieving our, our shareholder commitments, and, but that means some salespeople do not hit their quota or get fired or whatever. Well, maybe that's just called acceptable losses. This profession requires such a high degree of personal investment and personal governance. It's the nature of the profession. Again, we're the only professionals in the business world that don't get a degree. Mm-hmm. We're not treated as an intellectually rigorous profession <laughs> requiring minimum credentialing. So we got to do it ourselves, right? And that you can't see this on a podcast, but I have a picture of Tommy Boy over my left shoulder, yeah. which is, you know, if you, it's very well known in North America, you know, but Chris Farley, you know, it's a joke that the salespeople start off as complete incompetence. What, what else can we work with? We have our personalities. We haven't been trained or taught and we have to make a lot of mistakes before we do things right. Well, if you've gone into this profession, you know that then you also know that you've got to govern you got to govern yourself cuz there is I did a I did a blog posting uh on LinkedIn I don't know, a year or two ago um cuz I just said why is it that fi- accounting and finance has governance and oversight like there's generally accepted accounting principles that govern you know if you violate those things you can go to jail right in other yeah. words the people responsible for the net income, the bottom line, and how that's reported and all that. There's all kinds of rules and IFRS rules and all these rules for them because they're responsible for the financials of the business. Mm -hmm. How is it that sales that's responsible for the revenue, which can be acquired in very shady ways or promises made or contracts? There's no board of governance and there's no board of oversight. How is it that one end of the financial equation is governed very, very, because why? Because they own the net profits, which turns into free cash flow, which turns into two, you know, to retained earnings and shareholder equity. But we, no one cares. A, a salesperson would probably answer you with, because it works. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you're, but you're right. But it, it makes no sense. Imagine yeah. how we would execute if we had governance and oversight in our profession, right? Imagine how we'd be trained. Imagine how the university system would treat us. It's like, this is, we're responsible for the lifeblood of a company. Mm -hmm. If there's no revenue, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. How well you run your supply chain doesn't matter because nobody's buying our stuff. You know, how how efficient are we with our SG&A costs? Who cares? There's no revenue, right? That we can subtract that from. It's it's just, it's just really this, it started this way and no one's ever questioned it and it doesn't yeah. make any sense, but you know, it's, it's really um, 
that's the thing that's got to change is that mm -hmm. there needs to be the investment in the profession well beyond what companies have to do. And there has to be the oversight that makes sure that, you know, accountants say, well, they're accountants. Well, they have B personalities or they're not the front office and they're number crunchers and they're mathematical and all that. So sure, we can trust them. Really? Bernie Madoff, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. okay, you know, uh, there are financial crimes. There's a financial crimes division with the FBI. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like they can be just as shady as we can. But there's some there's some guardrails around the profession that keep that from happening. Until but, then, we self-govern, right? But but that's I think a lot of that is rooted in that self-estimation of of many salespeople who say like we are the tough guys, men and women. By the way, we are. Yeah, absolutely, we definitely are. Absolutely, we are the tough men and <laughs> the tough girls, and we are the cowboys and cowgirls of the 20s and 21st century, and so on. We are the lone rangers. Uh, We're the tip of the spear. <laughs> don't you dare to try to control me. Yeah, okay, maybe yes. if you if you overdo it, you will get an audit and compliance thing, and you will be off. Yeah, okay, then. But you know, you know how it works. Then you're and, and it, somewhere and it, else. And it's dysfunctional, right? Yeah. It's dysfunctional. And, and, and that is, you know, thing, look, uh, I have a very firm belief being a student of this profession that it's been changing for the last decade. The control mm -hmm. path has been changing and the, those who are aware of it and are seeing what's coming and are realizing just like IT, IT had to say, you know what, we had a great run. We, it's over. If you're mm -hmm. still pining for the old days and the expense accounts, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's things change and we it's coming like it's coming. We, we should be compensated. Every salesperson should be given a SG&A budget at the beginning of the year and say, this is your SG&A budget. You can spend your VAT resources any way you want within this budget. You're doing an insertion order and are you doing an IO for these resources. If you don't spend them wisely at the end of the year, when you're trying to push things through, and you've run out of SG&A budget, one of two things is going to happen. You don't get the resources because you can't pay for them, or it's going to come out of your commission. Any over just coming out of your commission. You would see behavior change on a dime. You'd see a lot of people leave the profession <laughs> or get skilled up. And I know what I say is sacrilege. I know a lot of people in the profession are saying, Eric, how dare you say that? You're one of us. It's time that we, every salesperson should be executing as if we have PL responsibility, not for the shareholders, although that we should do that organically, but because then we're not going to waste our time and the company's money where the rigor that would go up in terms of, you'd get rid of Forex pipelines. You wouldn't mm -hmm. need Forex. You have a Forex pipeline, so we close 25% of it, or maybe 23% of it or 21% of it with overassignment, making up the difference. You'd see a need for, when, when I was, when one of, the, one of the first startups I was in, there were nine of us. Mm -hmm. We weren't funded yet. We were using angel money. We didn't have any marketing. I was the first salesperson. They shouldn't have hired me when they did, but they needed to start generating revenue because our product was not generally available. It was like an alpha. Yeah. Forgive me, Damon. It was an alpha, maybe a beta, but we knew that, but we had to start looking for early adopters and innovators, mm -hmm. the whole Jeffrey Moore thing. And We couldn't have a Forex pipeline if we wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't have the resources to support it. So my target, I was always looking to have like a 1.7 to 2.3x pipeline that was constantly moving or we got rid of it. It was a refreshing stream. It wasn't a stagnant pond, right? And these are the behaviors that have to change starting with execution 
but the organizations have to support it, right? You cannot just say sales, change your execution and best of luck to you, but we're going to keep the whole regime that, that you're paid against and all that the same. Um, you know, it has to be an organizational decision. It's hard, but just like IT, sales is going the way of the dodo in the, in the world we know <laughs> as it now, you know, it's not going to be this way in 10 years. But but wouldn't it be like the first step to really start to control in a financial way, do controlling of the cost of sale? Because tell tell me tell me tell me about the I'm just just very subjective here. Tell tell me about your um, experience there. Is cost of sale something which is really measured in many cases, taken seriously as it should, or is it something like a KPI which more or less exists but um, under under other pages because look at the last years 2020 in mm. in our industry of course um sales went down and, and and but but the cash flow for almost all the companies was excellent why because all the people did not travel anymore right yeah so so all the that 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 stuff that probably was not needed but was done in the good times yeah with the business well, class flight and so on uh, which did not happen um was suddenly gone yeah and well this is the big question right when the tide goes out right and you know and we see who's wearing a bathing suit and who's not right you know you see yeah. who's real but did we need to do all these things or is that just the way it's always been done i would argue the cfo is acutely aware of the sgna costs that relate to marketing and sales Right. And a lot of that is tied to how many salespeople do we need? How much is a fully loaded salesperson and all that? But if you look at aging, business operations organizations are looking at what is the aging on this deal? How long has it been in the pipeline? Right. And that tells you something. What is the frequency? Uh, you know, how many touches? How often are we engaging? How often are they engaging? You know, how many demos have we done? It seems like we do three times more demos with these guys than anybody else. This is tick, 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 tick. This is costing the company money. Mm -hmm. I'd argue sales doesn't pay as much attention to it because we're not compensated where that's a factor that could diminish our compensation. Yeah. But I guarantee you, the, 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 you go higher up the sales ranks to the, the COOs or the EVPs of sales who have P&L responsibility. You know, they're weighing this to say, how do we make this more efficient? You know, even discounting, right? Discounting mm -hmm. is affecting the profitability of your revenue, you know, and there's always that, you know, argument in, in sales leadership, if we can just reduce discounting by 1%, mm -hmm. right, across the board, that would increase revenues by X millions and millions of, of, of euros or dollars. Um, so these things do matter. I, I'd argue that it's what comes first, the requirement or the skill. And, you know, someone has to blink. Um, I don't, you do them both at the same time and you do it gradually and you, you know, you phase it in because you can't afford just to make it a binary, you know, function where all of a sudden, welcome, today's the new day and, you know, tough, figure out, figure it out. That's, that's not a good way to do it. Um, Especially since you, interesting thing you mentioned was the discounts. I mean, it's quite an open book that, that discount also in our industry is seasonable. Yeah, so you have a certain season, yeah, you give more discounts, yeah, because, yep. you know, like end of year, oh, there you can give more discounts and so on. So, of course, you manage in that way your customers to buy there. And, of course, your Q1 will suck big time, yeah, because you your customers know that, of course, when I buy, I buy on Q4. 
definitely not on Q1. That's right. Yeah, and 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 and, and so these things will 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 these tra traditions will start to exist in a way you cannot change them anymore. Yeah, the perception and 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 the, the here's the interesting thing. I like to pose this to salespeople. Say, look, you know, we want them to buy yeah. this fiscal year. That's that's what we want. We want them to buy this fiscal year. However, let's look at the reality of the situation from their perspective. How long is it going to take them just to make this decision, right? If you look at the process that lies ahead of them, the, it varies depending on what they're looking to buy, but you're looking at, you know, four to nine to 12 to 17 months. Okay. So you want them to commit the capital this fiscal year just to make the decision, right? It's That's the only thing that will probably happen this fiscal year, maybe. But how long is it going to take them to operationalize your assets, even if they're cloud assets, to get them implemented and operationalized? Salespeople say that could take eight months, depending on the SI, depending on do they go with model company or max attention, et cetera. Uh, okay, now let's add that to the number you just gave us for the decision time frame. How long before they achieve payback on their investment? What's the payback period that's likely once the assets are operational? Well, that could take another you know, nine to 15 months. Okay, so they're not even going to go cash flow positive for two and a half years. So, and you're saying to them, it's critical you buy it this year, where they're not going to see the positive, let alone the realized value, which may be seven years, five years, whatever. And then ask yourself, why, in their mind, why do we have to do this now? Um, that's what you're selling against. That's reality. Yeah. That's why value engineers are so good at saying this is the payback period this is the five year you know net after tax cash benefit oh and here is the cost of delay every quarter you don't operationalize these you take what feels like this big long view impossible window and you pull it into a quarterly value and say okay your decision isn't really you know do i like this full realized mm -hmm. value right now your decision is how does that quarterly financial impact How does that compare to alternative ways to drive a similar amount of capital? Is that compelling or not? And every salesperson should be working with that basic operational knowledge and skill to say, on average, the amount of cash flow that this represents on a quarterly basis, make it consumable, like big projects, you, you bring them to smaller pieces. That's a number, executives, especially in public companies, think quarterly. Right, that's their thinking. That's that's what they're chasing is those quarterly results. So put it into that context. You know, there's ways to do this where a management consultant would do it with great facility and fluency, and people listen. That's because they know how to communicate. They know what they're doing, and they know how to communicate. Well, SAP is an example. You've got the same resources if you look across the board. Who could structure that? You know, this is what you're doing anyway, whether sales speaks this way or not. Your assets are driving business value, or you wouldn't be where you are, right? You wouldn't. Um, it's so it's not like you're creating something new. You're just vocalizing a different narrative that's currently happening along with everything else. Can sales do that? They can at least initiate that conversation. They can drop some of that knowledge, and then when they get out of their depth, they can say, "Okay, like everything else." I need to put you in touch with this expert to carry the rest of this through, but it sounds like it makes sense to follow this line. Yeah. That's just learning how to speak that way and believing the words you're using. You do that every day with the technical aspects of the software. You rely on experts, you parrot what they say, hoping it's right, and then you turn it over to them. So why should it be any different?
mm-hmm. right? When we're having these business conversations, it just hasn't been captured, curated, and distributed. Easy to say, I know, but it's true. <laughs> Let, let's go on um, with, with with the points because we, I think, we already spoken about the cost of sale thing. Already. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, we, I'm we bleeding. I'm, 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 I'm merging my 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 singular points through my explanations. Um, so, so another another one that I I spoke earlier that the three things sales should be certified in before we even touch a territory is the fundamentals of corporate finance, how Mm -hmm. unbudgeted capital is allocated through financial business cases. We should be certified in that. We should also be certified as project and program managers. There is simple truths. And one of them is an opportunity is a project. Mm -hmm. A pipeline is a program. Yeah. Period. An opportunity where we are engaging our stakeholders, they are engaging their stakeholders. It's not being done haphazardly, or sometimes it is more than it should be. It should be done as a planned event. These people have other things they're working on, other projects they're working on. This is yet another one. There needs to be a engagement model. There needs to be governance. There needs to be a racy. Otherwise, these people are moving, doing things without any flow, any concept of optimizing time, any concept of dependencies and how that could affect you know, what we do. But if you're working more than one deal, one project, you're working a program. Now we have all mm-hmm. these disparate projects that have nothing to do with each other, separate companies, separate entities. We have constant stakeholders on our side. That's the constant, although the, 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 you know, not everybody's engaged in equal measure. But now we have different stakeholders on the other side and I've got to manage multiple projects. That's hard. That's really hard. Um, where, you know, even remembering where they left off, right? We should be selling with Gantt charts, but we don't. I don't know why, but we should. Um, but that would make life a lot easier. We're very visual as salespeople. But if, if so, so project management is not enough. We have to have baseline program management competencies, which is not really the forte of salespeople who tend to index more towards being very, our intelligence and salespeople tends to be very more, if you believe in NLP, more the visual, linguistic, usually there's a high correlation to communication intelligence. Right? We tend to be good communicators, but that doesn't mean we possess you know, the organizational skills or the operational skills that these are just different intelligence. It doesn't mean we're stupid. It just means there's different intelligences. But because we're so front office, right? We, 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 we kind of leave that critical skill and that's why you have business operations and they're almost always angry because <laughs> they're looking at sales and sure. saying, there's so much waste. There's so yeah. many things in there that don't belong. How do we take this big thing called our pipeline and rationalize it, right? And that would be so much better if sales had these, it wouldn't take much to certify us at least as project managers. That's not, that's not like getting a degree over four years. It's a program that you go through. Um, but that's a critical skill and it's it's lacking and it shows. Um, imagine how much money you can save on, on no offense to the business ops people, but you, you need a lot less people to govern the sales organization if sales did this more self-governance. Yeah, sure. Correlated to this, a forecast. Forecasting is one of the hardest things to do in sales. It is almost always corrupted, if not wrong. Um, It almost always contains confirmation biases. It almost always is fueled by half-truths or full lies, because we're basing on what we're being told. A forecast 
is a critical path, right? Salespeople need to know what a critical path is, right? A critical path is the longest time it will take to complete a fully scoped project where mm -hmm. delay is a planned event, where the, and, you know, the tasks have been optimized and, and managed, dependencies have been determined, parallel and discrete tasks have been mapped, sequencing has been thought through. So it's optimized. There's a, there's a very inefficient way to do a project and there's a very efficient way to do a project and there's something in between. And we are managing stakeholders. What makes sales even harder, we're managing stakeholders we do have control over, more or less, our, 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 the, our team that supports us, the VAT. But we're also supposed to control stakeholders that we have no control over, the buy side. And then we're always told in sales, you've got to control the sale. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what your prospect wants. They want to give you all control. A bias source wants to take all of their money. Um, they're, 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 they would be fired if their shareholders found out you gave the complete decision and the capital over to the, over to the vendor. You just mm -hmm. let the rooster, you let the rooster into the hen house or the fox, whatever the metaphor yeah. is. But once you establish in your head that my forecast will be so much more accurate and so much easier if I manage it like we manage a critical path. You can't come up with a critical path until you understand which tasks are on the critical path, which tasks are off the critical path. Mm -hmm. Imagine you engaged a prospect and said, we need to establish a RACI and we have to establish a critical path for this so we can scope, so this project is properly scoped. And so you know the duration of this, assuming we manage it properly and we both know right? We're both looking at the same project plan. We both know when we go out of scope so we can appropriately manage change, which we mm -hmm. know is going to happen um, together. We should have a mutual Gantt chart that we're both sharing in a perfect world, right? Um, but th this is a fundamental, it's not a truth because it doesn't exist right now, but factually speaking, this would make sales a it, much it, more predictable process. It's a wonderful vision because I think you are at the moment quite far away from what's yes. in reality. Yes. I used to want to protect this idea thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to monetize this someday and come up with a, a sales Gantt chart that is optimized and all that. But I've realized as I've done this for as long as I have, look, you know. I think, the, I think this is the oldest game that that exists in sales is is been done yeah because the one side um, is putting up a huge um let's say a huge budget on you and what are you doing yeah putting uh you do sandbagging yeah because yeah. you want to oh, be yeah. left alone and I, I remember very well when I was winning a deal with a with a salesperson and so on and I knew that this deal was in the CRM with around 50k yeah it's like some something nobody in a, in, a, in a huge enterprise really cares about yeah but what what was what we got in the end eight million and i said like now to be honest um don't you get now like your a dot 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 whipped by your boss because of that he said of course i will but this will be something like for that takes about half an hour yeah and then, so, then the celebration starts. And I avoided by doing this like 1.5 years of constant cause, of constant help, which is offered to me that I do not want by those people who offer me these kinds of help and so on. Um, this is how the game is played. Yes. And it's accepted yeah. as standard practice. So, you know, 
uh, I'm not naive and I'm not um, an idealist, right? This is the all very founded. These are all very practical principles, but they're founded in the reality that you just don't wake up one morning and start doing them. Mm-hmm. The you know, there's a reason why there there should be right mm-hmm. practices that are optimized to the performance of any given business function, right? What you have is that the sales organization has become, you know, inefficient. Mm-hmm. It's not that it doesn't work, right? Revenue comes in and, and there's a lot of efficiency around certain things. There's a lot of success around certain things and that's fine. It's the things that we're not doing that tend to just be accepted as, well, that's just the way it is. That's what's not fine, right? Because, yeah. you know, your organization is very successful and you have a, you know, it's, it, I, I know when I talk about this, it sounds like it's saying, you know, all is lost and we're dysfunctional as hell. And we can't find our, our butts with both hands. And no, of course we can, right? A lot of things are being done right. That isn't the issue because what you've been doing right, you've been doing right forever. It's, it's when do we start making operational change to the things that aren't be doing, done optimally. And, and as, as painful as it might be to career salespeople, because change is hard, yeah. it would be a big sigh of relief if they said, look, everybody, we're going to make you, we're going to certify you in program management. It's going to be work, but mm-hmm. you, you know, imagine you approach, approach a prospect now and you say, look, we can't staff a project that isn't funded. And the way fund what funded means for us is that there's equal and opposite commitment of resources, stakeholders. You know, the first thing every salesperson should do, no matter what the starting point is, say, we need to collaborate on the engagement model or we can't staff this. Imagine if you use those sacrilegious words and you initially get the clutching of the pearls of that person across you saying, well, Oracle's not doing that and you're hard to work with and don't you want our business mm. and we don't cave. And we say... If you were a startup, startups commit a lot of unnatural acts to get a logo because they have to. When you're the industry leader, act that way, right? We want the <laughs> things that we don't believe we can have. You know, yeah. there's something, if you go back to dating, when you chase, your dignity is gone, right? And unless you're, you know, unless you're so irresistible that the chase, the chasing and loss of dignity is seen as, okay, well, you're still too, uh, too irresistible. That's one thing. But that's usually not the case. <laughs> It, you know, I think more things come to us yep. when they're not for free. And Absolutely. freedom doesn't have to be money. Freedom could be time, commitment, reputation. It could be a lot of things. And I think we're just too afraid to make that first move. But I know I, I, I'm respected a lot more when I say no or these are the requirements when I just blindly give something away as if I have no business and I just need the money. Yep. You know, the short-term sugar high is never worth the five pounds I put on that I, that's hard for me to lose later. Right. And, and that's what we have to be willing to do. And I, I think, I think the unfortunate problem is we're not going to do this till we're forced to. Mm-hmm. And that's what creates a lot of change, right. Is we're forced to do it. I think the companies, and I see a lot of very positive signs here. I think the companies that are willing to do the hard yards as one of my friends, who's a triathlete, you know, says is if you're willing to do the hard yards, the rewards are there. And if you're not, that's fine too. It just means you shouldn't play in that game. So I know I'm sounding very, I'm waxing philosophical now, but um, no. we are, especially here now, we have already the, the time of the day to become that. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah, I mean, there's Alex, there's so much more. I've got 
12 years of doing what I do here and 19 years of selling and all the embarrassment and hardship and success, you know, you give the forum and it's so easy to, to relive the glory days or now opine. The beauty of aging is that, you know, we, we profess wisdom, even if it's just not, not that, but it seems packaged that way. But yeah, there's a lot of great stuff here. And, you know, I'm afraid, you know, I could, I could keep you awake, you know, until the wee hours of the morning. Huh? Yeah. But, but, you know, like when you say this, you know, what it, the, you know, the definition of experience is to recognize again, the mistakes of the past. What yeah. will be made today. So I think this, this is the beautiful thing about that. And you, You, you have the pictures and the posters of, of <laughs> movies behind you. You have the Tommy Bowie on what we did not mention that on the other side, you have the Godfather. It's, it's Michael three. Corleone. Exactly. The Godfather part three. And I think we could now add on top of that, we could that uh, Sullenberger movie, like when he's um, the, the miracle of the Hudson River. What's called? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Sullenberger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's uh, I, I'm I. I just forgot the name of it, but 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 you know what I'm talking about. And I there do, is this, I do. I... It's, it's a scene when they they have to testify in front of the commission and so on, and there they yeah. are talking and talking what could have been and so on. And then was this moment when he said like, "Can we become serious now?" Yeah. And I think a lot of things that you said in the in, in the last minutes would be too not enough in the last hours <laughs> um are, are a lot about that um because we we were talking from the from the start about yeah this is a profession which is old we were talking about um about things which have been or have become in use in the 1800s um i think when you say now now that things have to change it's, it's all about maturity we have to become serious yeah. now And, and, and it's accepting the reality that's in front of us, right? I mean, we can always wait until the pain is so acute that we have to change, but that's not, that's, that's not healthy. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not healthy. Um, but, but we have a way, you know, it's human nature, right? I mean, I always marveled, you know, when, 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 when you have a child, right? And we don't have the child, you know, in that case, my wife had a child. We had twins, so we only experienced it once. But I thought after seeing what that took, how could you have another one, right? And we have a, we, you know, and we say, you know, I think most women say, I don't want to go through that again. That really hurt. And blah, 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 blah. Mm. You know, they look at us as husbands and say, you do it next time. We're like, I'd love to help, but I can't. Um, but we, our memories allow us to rationalize pain, mm. you know, or we allow ourselves to rationalize pain and we allow ourselves to forget a little bit. So we can do it again. Now, the good thing for the human race is luckily, you know, that that's there or we'd all have one child um, if or, or none. But I think it's what's going on is I think we, you know, when I when I engage salespeople, I do it as a salesperson. Right. I've lived this as well. And I say, look, we all know this is true. Mm -hmm. Right. The only reason would be when I talk about these things where it's a little bit funny is because it's self-deprecating humor. But there's also the truth to it that we know and we know we should do something better, but we're not being forced to or the pain is not enough. And um, that's the first sign, right, that we should be more proactive if everybody's in on the joke. But when we talk about this, look into the future, since in, in my workshops with managers and some of customers and uh, it's called for example from the supply chain side or on the financial side um, we always talk about how your jobs may look like 
in 10, 15 years, how you do your profession 10, 15 years. How do you think that the sales profession will evolve and will change in the next 10 to 15 years? And what, what kind of, let's say, things will be important? What kind of abilities have, have to be on top of that? So I joke about this. I, I, to me, it's like buying a car. If you think about how buying a car has changed um, in the last decade or two decades, a lot in the last versus the previous, you know, when I buy a car now, I have all of my decision support information well before I walk into a dealer more than I ever. I remember buying a car 20 years ago and I had to mail $13 to a company to tell me what the invoice cost was. And it was done on snail mail. Yeah. And I thought that was a big advantage. And now I, 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 I and everybody, if you're smart, you have all the decision support information you need, except I still haven't driven it. Yeah. Right. That's my one forcing function is I've got to still drive it and see how it feels. Do I like the visibility? Do I, you know, no. that's the one thing you can't get on the internet. Although we're even getting closer to these virtual experiences, mm -hmm. you know, where that's going to go away soon. But I, the same thing's happening, I think, to B2B. It's just lagging a bit because it's a much more complex thing. But every year that goes by, you know, the decision support information that's out there, the ability to make these decisions, the more commoditization. I mean, what SAP have said years ago, one of our biggest threats might be the hyperscalers. Probably not, right? We wouldn't say, you know, now we're worried about AWS, we're worried about Azure. We mm -hmm. thought it would just be our, you know, no, because it's a different form of competition. Get in our stack and then we'll worry about the app and then we're going to creep our way up the stack because now we own your infrastructure. Yeah. It's like, really? Now we have to worry about that too? Yes, you do. I think the key thing is that sales has to give up this notion that we control the first 50% of the decision support process for anybody who's in the market. Um, and then we have to then leverage skills to say, just because you showed up with an RFP doesn't mean that you've met our requirements to fill it out. We, have, we still have to engage with the business. We still have to go back and do the things. The good news is it'll be faster because you've done a lot of that work. The bad news is that's been it's been independent of us. So we have no idea how much that overlays what we do. And we need to know that or we can't we can't play. Um, that's a critical skill. But I think the more critical skill, I think the more critical skill is that say, quota carriers, AEs have to learn how to create revenue. Right. There's such dependence on inbound, on demand, on flow. We say, no, I don't get any leads. Not really true, right? A mm -hmm. lot of what we're doing is we're playing in the existing customer base. We're, we're using a lot of brute force to eventually, you know, maybe elevate something, but it was already there. Salespeople have to learn how to, how do we take the, the business asset that we sell? How do we understand how it creates financial and shareholder value in the vertical markets in which this is proven to do that? And then how do we now approach businesses first, where we should have always have started, the C-level, the board, the CEO, and say, I'm presenting you a business idea with a class of assets, almost sounding like your private equity, that produces this kind of business value that we've never spoken about. Like, in other words, we have to move to an assertion. The frustration with, with, with companies is that our partners aren't doing any selling. The partners just wait for us to sell it, and then they, they just harvest the services. We need them to be a channel. We need them to create mm -hmm. pipeline. We need them to be an extension, right? By the same token, sales needs to be an extension of all the marketing efforts 
you know, if 57% of brands like SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, IBM are purchased because of the brand equity and the brand value, which is pretty much the case, we got to make up that other 43%. And that sales should be sales primary function. And we should be rewarded handsomely for that, less for the harvesting, much more for the creation, because now you're really adding value. We're, 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 we're attacking the addressable. You can't win a war from the, with the Air Force ever. You've yeah. got to have boots on the ground. You can bomb the, ask the people at the Battle of the Somme, right? Mm -hmm. How'd the artillery work? Not mm -hmm. too well, because 50,000 British died or got wounded the first day, right? So we thought we were successful. You always have to have that, that, that ground level engagement. Sales has to learn how to do that properly, because then that truly is almost like management consulting skills. You should get paid more for it, but the bar should be higher to be able to do it. And the, the numbers are going to shrink. You're going to see more BDRs and SDRs sourcing demand at a lower cost of, of selling it. And then the AEs are going to have to have this more refined set of skills. And I think you're going to start seeing that separation mm -hmm. of extensions of marketing to you're truly part of a go-to-market execution motion. That's my, we could, we, could, we could test this in 10 years and see if it actually turned out that way. But that's, that's my take. I set on my calendar already an appointment <laughs> no matter where we are reality check <laughs> reality check <laughs> i think i think that's a worthy thing look i that's my mission i you know i my i made a decision when i started my company that was going to you know we i had partners initially we went our separate ways and i said okay now i have full decision control mm -hmm. and i tell people i do what i do because i'm angry I'm angry that I wasn't taught properly and I didn't mm. know where to go. I have guidance to, 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 to execute what I know now and have done in the last few years. And to me, that's criminal. You know, I sure I like to make money as the next much as the next person, but I want to add some legitimacy to a profession that needs it. We don't, it doesn't have to be this way. Salespeople don't have to be looked at like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Right. And if you, you know, if you want to see art imitating life, every movie about salespeople is either depressing yeah. or, 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 or comedy. It's a comedy yeah. Right. Yeah. Look at the movies. It's there. It's, it's like, it's like jokes about lawyers and, and now Congress people in, in politics. It's, it's Tommy Boy. It's Tin Men. It's, it's Wolf of Wall Street. It's Boiler Room. It's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Every one of those either depressing as hell or we're buffoons. Yeah. Right. Or we're slippery, we're slick, you know, and we go to jail. It's yeah. like, and then we finally got ours and everyone applauds and says, that's exactly what they deserve. There's got to be something better than that. <laughs> and I know there has to be, but I, but you're right. Look, if you look at the, the intrigue and the drama going now, McKinsey, right? They're yeah. highly respected and all this. Yeah. We had the South Africa problem with them. That wasn't that great. Right. And then, you know, then now you've got what's going on with the opi opioids and all this. And yet they're still highly respected. Why? Because they're viewed as the best and the brightest. Yep. Because right? in large part they are. Um, but we love that, right? I mean, I love the fact that McKinsey is brought in by companies and Boston Consulting Group and Accenture and these companies, KPMG are brought in to a company by the executives to tell them that their baby is ugly. Yeah. How yeah. to fix it. They, they, they are they're paid that much to that they tell the bad news yes so they, they do not have to them welcomed. for themselves yes welcome sales should be doing the exact same thing mm -hmm. right we just do it with a much narrower scope 
we affect the business through these particular assets, not this broad view. This is our practice area, but it's also an area where assets can actually execute. And mm-hmm. that, from that perspective, we can advise you. And we don't take that opportunity. And it's, it's, a, it's a wasted opportunity, uh, but it needs skill to do so. Um, so anyway, yeah, I know I've got, I've got, uh, I've got, we've gone longer and I love it. I lost track of time. No problem. Those are the good ones who managed to take longer, but still bringing content and, and be thankful being for interesting it. and so on. And I'm thankful for every minute, but still people probably still want more of you. Well, that. I'm not going anywhere. COVID's ensuring that. Yeah. I'm stuck <laughs> in my little room. Uh, look for anybody who's willing to listen. I'm, I'm glad, you know, it's, I like to call it free advice worth every penny, right? Definitely. Um, definitely. And, and how do we, do they get in contact with you? How do they get in contact with me? Well, you can, you, they, yeah, don't go to my ancient website. Yeah. The best way is just eshaver at kensaypartners.com or I'm on Twitter or I'm on LinkedIn. You know, uh, that's the best way to, to, to initiate a dialogue and, uh, and we go from there. Perfect. Eric, thank you very much. That was awesome. I'm hey, really hey, grateful. The pleasure was mine. This is, I got to do more of these. <laughs> we will. We, Play will. With. we will. Have a great day. Brilliant. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye.